Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And welcome to episode 290 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with... You have an intro. <laughs> it is an awesome intro. Hello, everybody. I'm um, <laughs> glad to be here. Yes, chosen by you. It's uh, the the theme tune to the original 90s X-Men cartoon, I believe that is. Yeah. I believe it's on Disney Plus now, if you can watch that. I'm sure it is, yes. I'm sure they've added a lot of that sort of stuff. I saw they've added the Ewoks movies and a bunch of other kind of weird animated things onto uh, Disney Somehow, Plus. Somehow, I managed to miss that. Yes, the Ewoks movies are on there and a couple of other weird little animated oddities they've added on i think the only things that are missing i don't think the droids tv series is on there yet and the other thing that they haven't put on which i really really want to see star wars detours which was the seth green and uh, the the robot chicken guys did a star wars tv show and they made like 50 episodes of it and it was in that intermediate gap between lucasfilm selling the stuff to disney so so it, it never actually made it anywhere because they weren't sure what to do with it. But there was a whole bunch of episodes made of it. I'm not sure whether it was 50 or whether it was like 15 or something, but there are a bunch of episodes made of that show and they've never been released anywhere. And I really, really want them to put them on Disney Plus because there's little clips and bits and pieces come online about them and they are really funny because if you've ever seen the Robot Chicken Star Wars stuff, it's hilarious. So it's slightly toned down from that. It's not quite as R-rated as the Robot Chicken stuff is, but uh, it's still very very funny from the little bits i've seen so i would really wish they'd uh, they put that on anyway what have you been doing this week so the first thing i talk about is the film trust it's a drama a romance which stars victoria justice matthew the dario and Catherine mcnamara of arrow and shadow hunters fame uh-huh. and i was just i gave it a watch just to you know support cat in her endeavors and it's based on a play which is an interesting one it's not, not something that i would I would usually watch. But yeah. it basically just follows these young, very successful, very, 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 very good looking and <laughs> fairly rich people. And it's a sort of possible breakdown of their marriage. Because right. the husband, played by Dario, is becoming increasingly frustrated and jealous of the amount of time that Victoria Justice's character is spending with her new artist. She's a gallery owner and right. trying to promote him. It goes back and forth from that. There's another person played by cat who fires away into things and it's hard to even talk about it without giving it away so i'll <laughs> let you watch if you want to watch because there are a couple of surprises in there 
But overall, it was fun. I now understand what people mean when they say you can tell when something's adapted from theatre. Right, yeah. There's a lot of like B-side stuff. So like there's a lot of one character walking down the road with insert popular music playing. Um, (laughs) A lot of overhead shots of New York and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a fun enough way to spend an hour and 34 minutes. And again, it's it's just a lot of very pretty people. Yeah, like a CW showcast. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much. Pretty much. Good. Where did you watch that? Oh, I bought it on Amazon. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I think it's VOD everywhere. So wherever right, you okay. want to buy your things from. Yep. The next is Skylines with a three. Yes. Where the E should be. That's on Netflix. And what I didn't know, but obviously now realized, is that it is the third in the trilogy of the Skylines. <laughs> of Skylines. It's the three. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we don't see that. It's only, on, it's only on posters. It's not actually on the thing when it comes up. Yeah. But um, I saw the original Skyline, which is a great little horror film, sci-fi which I would urge to watch but I hadn't seen the second one because hmm. I had to say well I didn't automatically realise that this was third because it features Lindsay Morgan who was in the second and right. as a returning character uh, okay and so it's, it's a normal fear of aliens took over the world and in the second one humans managed to beat the back it's a bit of a stalemate and now it's third one they go for the final strike but in the course of this thing where they send a crack team of soldiers on this mission secrets are found out and it's not exactly what you thought it was at first it's good fun I think if you definitely if you watch a second one I think this is going to be a lot of fun you'll definitely enjoy it I like Lizzie Morgan in the role. It's good to see her starring something. Obviously, she's known for the 100. And all the previous ones are on Netflix. Right, okay. So you can just literally, you can have Skyline Day, where you watch a good four and a half hours worth of it. Oh, it's got Alexander Sigurd in it as well. Yes, yes. From from Star Trek and and yeah. pops up in like a million other shows as well. Game of Thrones yeah. as well is the other thing. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, he's briefly he's in there as a bit of a baddie. But. Yes, good rent to baddie, Alexander Sigurd. Yeah, unfortunately, it does seem to be mostly that in recent years. Yeah. But the next thing was, as part of press coverage for one of my other roles over that hashtag show, I got the first three episodes of Invincible to take a look at. Yes. You head over to that hashtag show and see my view for Invincible, which is Robert Kirkman, same yes. person responsible for The Walking Dead and its spin-offs. He must be a very rich guy right now. Anyway. Well, well he's, he's arguing a bit with AMC about that, I think, at the moment. But yes. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Anyway, it is an adult animated series series based on a skybound image comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Yes. And adult is a key theme because by the end of the first episode I got to watch three of them. They show what happens when someone with super stroke punches someone who may not be as strong as them. Right. <laughs> so there is a lot of blood, there's a lot of gore, the violence is sort of maxed up to like a 9 or a 10. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have the same sort of feeling you might get from watching one of the Disney Spider-Man adaptions because you see a kid a bit of a nerd going through his life at school right making new friends it's a lot of fun it's also long form so it's like a 46 minute thing oh, right. I think okay. the first episode is I think the first episode is longer but it seems to be that so that's so that's a different thing I did the all animated shows had to go to the half hour when you deal with superheroes so that's a nice touch you get that longer time to take things in and tell a lot an ongoing story there's a big car you get introduced to even in the first three episodes. Yeah, the cast list is ridiculous. I mean, as it's Robert Kirkman, there are a lot of Walking Dead people in there. Stephen Yen plays Invincible, the lead character. J.K. Simmons plays his dad. But then out of the other Walking Dead ca- 
cast, you've got Corey Payton is in there, Lauren Cohen, Chad L. Coman, Sonique Martin Green, Michael Cutlers, Lenny James, Ross Marquand. Outside of the Walking Dead cast, you've got people like Ezra Miller, Michael Dawn, Mashahala Ali, Mark Hamill is in there, Seth Rogen, Walter Goggins, John Hamm. It's an insane cast list. Just absolutely ludicrous, the amount of people that have got involved in this. It's actually huge and very impressive cast. I think it does amazing. It manages to balance the two things of the fact that it's an adult thing while not jumping over in straight into the boys' territory. It's just, right. it feels just a little bit more realistic of what happens when superheroes and superhumans go back and forth in battles. Yeah. And obviously there is a big twist, which because I, I do remember the comics that I do have a vague idea about. But you yeah. know, that doesn't, it isn't really properly explained the first three episodes, but I will be looking forward to it. It's got an eight episode run, so I'm just really hoping that it does well so it can get a renewal. I think it probably will do. It's out later this week, so uh, we'll We'll give the dates out at the end of the show. But um, it's one that I'm really looking forward to. I have actually got those presser things as well, and I'd completely forgotten about them until you actually uh, mentioned it there. But I need to go and watch them. But like I say, it's out at the end of the week anyway, so I am looking forward to watching that. And my next thing is Rugal, which is an hour-long sci-fi show from Korea. Yeah. And it's based on the web tune the same name. And it follows a sort of toughest nail rebel cop. You can get those in Korea. Um, <laughs> he is sort of targeted by this group. He's trying to bring to justice. They murder his wife, blame it on him, and they also stab him through the eyes, both eyes. Nice. He goes to jail. The idea is he breaks out and he joins his secret police division who give him some artificial eyes with superpowers. <laughs> right. Special powers, at least. Excellent. And that's sort of where it starts. Pretty wild. This is probably my first example of seeing Korean sci-fi. Yeah. So far, it's fun. It's quite violent. There's a few fights in the beginning one, and it is sort of like the closest I've seen to like something that you probably rate in 18. Right. So there's lots of instances of um, there were some executions of some cops who were going up against this evil criminal group. And the fight in his house where they've already killed his wife and they're sort of beating him up, that's pretty vicious. So if you're a bit squeamish, this is probably not for you. It probably leads more to the fact that it's a webtoon and I suspect the webtoon is probably incredibly violent. Yes. But yeah, 16 episodes in the way that Korean shows often are. Only runs for season in the way that Korean TV does. They do one season and done. Really? Right, okay. Yeah, it's a thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's something I only realised recently, but yeah. It's up on Netflix, isn't it? So Yeah, so that's available on Netflix. And the final thing is Sisyphus, which is another Korean sci-fi-ish show, which follows this genius tech billionaire guy with this social media company. And at the beginning, we see him help to bring down a plane after a mysterious object hits it. Right. And that sort of leads into this strange thing of, in this world, there are time travelers, and they like to go back to places like the current time. Right. And they do drop something that is found by the wrong person and it sort of triggers the end of the world. So basically, we see a time traveler going back to try and stop that from happening. I see. Okay. And he's and he's some 
somehow involved in it. It sort of just about explains it by the end of the first episode. <laughs> okay. You know, it's nice to try something a bit wacky, and this is pretty out there. It looks pretty interesting. It's on now in Korea, I think. So episodes are still coming out weekly on Netflix. I'm not sure what they're up to at the moment. Episode 10, I think, by the looks of okay. things. Yeah, so it's another 16-episode run. Yeah. So it'll be done in a couple of months. So yeah, it's definitely I'll sit down and probably carve out an hour a week to just check it out and find out what's happening. Cool. I've never really tried any of the South Korean sci-fi. I may go and have to have a look at it on Netflix. They seem to have picked up quite a number of them. So Oh, I have a couple of suggestions if you've got where to start <laughs> to keep things nice and straightforward. Awesome, awesome. I will uh, come back to you on those. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have also been watching a Netflix show called The Lost Pirate Kingdom, which is a documentary with some dramatic retellings kind of involved in it. So you've got actors playing the roles of various famous pirates. It is the history of Nassau and the story of the sort of real pirates of the Caribbean, essentially, and how they had this pirate base on Nassau in the Caribbean, how it was set up, how it was basically one of the world's first proper democracies, the rise and fall of those pirates, essentially. There is people that you'll know in there like Blackbeard, but there is people like Benjamin Hornigold, who was the person that was one of the most famous pirates that actually founded Nassau in the first place as a pirate place. It's just really interesting. There's six episodes in it. I suspect it's only one season. I can't see where you'd go with it after that. The acting is perfectly fine. I mean, you know, it's one of these things where they've roped a bunch of actors in to play these kind of little parts to play out segments of what might actually happen. The CG's okay. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's fine, you know, for what it is. It's there really more as a documentary to give you the kind of background of it. So it's this interesting kind of mishmash of both. But uh, if you're interested in pirates and want to know the proper background and the real pirate history, it's actually quite fascinating because I didn't really know much about how the pirates sort of appeared and why they were there in the first place and where they came from and then how they kind of disappeared at the end as well. So uh, if you like that sort of stuff, it's just quite interesting bit of history, which I didn't know before. So uh, that's called The Lost Pirate Kingdom and that's on Netflix right now. In terms of other stuff, Flight Attendant, of course, came out this week. As I mentioned, I think previously, I had already seen the first episode of this. It's really, really solid. Have you caught any of this yet? No, I haven't seen it. It's well worth watching. It's wonderfully fun. Kaylee Cloaku in this lead role as this partying flight attendant who takes a normal flight. She likes going out and partying, getting drunk. She meets this guy, kind of blacks out, ends up in a hotel room with him only to roll over and find out that he's actually been murdered. And it's sort of what goes on from there, basically. That's the sort of setup of it because she runs, as you kind of might do if you're in a foreign country that Mm -hmm. had fairly harsh laws and you woke up with a dead body in the bed. It sort of follows on from there, really. Uh, Really, really good fun, dark drama and comedy. I mean, it's very much a sort of dark dramedy, really. It's on Sky right now and it's well, well worth going to watch. Line of Duty, of course, returned for season six. Brilliant as ever. I'm not going to go into any of the background because that was only on last night, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's a wonderful, twisty, turny story again where you're not entirely sure who is the good guys and who are the bad guys as usual. It's interesting they've slightly altered the setup where 
the team is a bit more split up this time round. So uh, that's an interesting way to start it. But uh, that was really good. A couple of other big things this week, of course. The Snyder Cut came out of the Justice League. So we're going to talk about that. There will be spoilers for this and for Falcon and Winter Soldier, which also came out this week. So I will do a quick spoiler thing because we are going to talk about this. Spoilers. 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 What spoilers? The Snyder Cut of the Justice League. What did you think? Oh my God, that 4-3 aspect killed me. <laughs> I, it actually, I thought that was going to annoy me more than it did. Once you kind of got used to it, I still don't quite understand his logic behind it. I know it was shot for IMAX and IMAX is a 4-3 format, but he knew it was going to go out in HBO Max. So why wouldn't you re-edit it to 16 by 9 But... You know, I, it's an odd yeah. choice, but fine. You know, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. But yeah, it was a little bit of a weird choice, that. It was weird. I don't know, because I just had to watch it as it was, because while I can remember some of what happened in the original one, yeah. that was a yeah. long time ago that I watched that. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't going to go back to it. No. So I liked the things I knew that were in those extras, like seeing the Marshman Hunter. That's quite, that was very cool. I'm also a very big fan of that actor, so it's great to see him. He's on the black. Blacklist, yes. where he plays Harold, brings exactly that same sort of gravitas to that role. So yeah. I, I like I liked that. I had fun, but it's, for me, for people who do know me, I find it very hard to get sucked into something if I know it's already finished. And as we know that DC aren't really all that interested in continuing where this led, yes. it's hard for me to get like really hyped about it. I understand what you're saying there, because I mean, they've even today there was a comment from a WB exec basically saying, no, no, we don't care that you're hashtagging revive the Snyderverse or whatever it is. We are not going to do that. We're perfectly <laughs> yeah. happy with the way that we're going. So they've they've basically said, no, that's not going to happen. Um, I really, really liked it. I thought it was a really solid piece of work. Considering it was a four-hour movie, it kept my attention throughout it, which was great. I think structurally, it's much, much better than the Josh Whedon version. Uh, I would agree with that. You're not just having Steppenwolf turn up as this me big bad meme person smash world sort of thing which is kind of how he came across in the Joss Whedon version he has a motivation he's a much more interesting villain they give him a whole backstory of why he's actually there and why he's trying to do this you know he's basically on dark sides bad side if that makes sense and he is trying to win favor back by taking as many worlds as he can, converting them to the, the sort of apocalypse world, basically. So there is much better motivation behind him. I have to say, having seen this version, I can see why Ray Fisher was so upset. Because, <laughs> I mean, he was chopped down to a side character from basically the entire film revolving around Cyborg. Um, yeah. I mean, regardless of all the other stuff, you know, in his treatment, I mean, it's difficult for me to say, whether there was something else going on or whether it was just Joss didn't know how to work that story. But I mean, yeah, I'd be livid if I was Ray Fisher at that because it was a perfectly coherent, decent story. Bear in mind that all they reshot for this was the little nightmare scene at the end. That was the only bit that was actually reshot apparently for it. Oh. All the other stuff. I mean, they, they hadn't done all the effects work. So, and obviously yeah. there was a lot of effects work, which they did. But the 70 million that they threw at Zack 
Zack Snyder to be able to put this together. None of that was really done on reshoots. You know, there was very, very few bits of reshoots for it. In fact, I, I do believe that the only scene that they actually reshot was possibly the bit where Martian Manhunter shows up at the house and also that nightmare scene at the end, which was an excuse to be able to stick Joker in the film. Mm. But those are the only bits, I believe, that were actually reshot, which means the entire film basically was there. I mean, you're trying to tell me that they couldn't have... They didn't really need another director. You could have hired an editor to put that together, surely. It seems like a very odd decision to have let Joss go off in this massively different direction compared to what they'd already got. So it's kind of weird if that was the case. But you got a lot more stuff between Bruce Wayne and Alfred, which I really enjoyed. I think that relationship worked really well. I think them bringing Superman back made far more sense. I liked his slightly more toned down treatment of Aquaman as well in this. I mean, one of the problems moving forward would be the fact that if they were going to restore the Snyderverse, there are inconsistencies between Aquaman and the characters surrounding Aquaman that we see in this film compared to the actual Aquaman movie, which is a bit of a problem. Yeah, because I think they do mention something about his parents being dead where his parents actually show up in the Aquaman film. So, you know, there are little problems with it if you were going to do that. But, you know, I'm sure there'd be a way around it. You got Ryan Choi in this as well, which I don't think was in the original cut that I remember. Maybe he was? I can't remember. I think um, I think he was. Just, I don't think he had anywhere near as much. Yeah. Many scenes. I just think overall, it was just far more coherent and well put together. Oh, yeah. Um, and yes, there are elements of it that are somewhat there for the sake of it, such as that nightmare scene at the end, which mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed. I know Matt had a different opinion of this and really can't stand that version of Joker, but I actually quite liked that scene. But if you were going to do a theatrical cut of this version of the story, that scene would not be in there because it served no real purpose at all. You know, so fine. I'm happy I saw it. I mean, at the end of the day, he was making this for the fans and they wanted to see as many bits of footage as they possibly could. So, you know, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But um, yeah, it was fairly unnecessary. And it's a shame that they aren't going to move forward with any of this because it does set up some interesting things. I mean, you still got Lex in there at the end you've still got the bit with Deathstroke which was used as a sort of post-credit sequence in the original it's moved into the end of the movie for this you've still got all that stuff in there I think the treatment of Wonder Woman is a lot better I like seeing more stuff of the Flash just all round I think is a far far superior film Um, so Mm -hmm. even at four hours to say I, I actually ended up I watched the first couple of bits in a couple of segments sort of throughout the day and then watched the bulk of it I watched the sort of last three hours or so in one go thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, it's on Sky Cinema if you want to go and uh, pick that up it's well well worth going to watch definitely really interesting and different so that was one big superhero thing we had this week the other one of course was the launch of Falcon and Winter Soldier which came out on Friday you've seen this as well what did you think to that as uh, opening episode I really liked it I wasn't sure how it would go yeah. I like the way they started because 
I know it get it gets a little bit, you know, globe trotting and yeah. dropping up plays and all sorts of fun things like that. But I do like how they started it in a reasonably grounded manner. We get to see Bucky trying to be a civilian, dealing with his PTSD, mm. trying to make amends. That little reveal at the end was quite that was like, oh, that sort of hit me in the feels. Yeah. And also it's good to see the Falcon see his home life. I'm never entirely sure how if he is active duty and how he could take all this time off to go around and be a superhero. <laughs> Uh, but it's good to see it's good to see him sort of trying to get back to life because it's easy to forget after watching one division for that time and it not really being much of a thing past that sort of one mention is that yeah the blip is a thing and people have gone away for five years and when they come back you can't always pick up the pieces yeah his sister's business is basically done and obviously for him you know it was just yesterday so he wants to keep on fighting it and she's obviously very much used to that idea yeah I mean that was one of the interesting things because of course this was always originally planned to be the launch TV show Yeah, and you can tell watching it because it starts off it covers a lot more about the blip and you know the people that disappeared and it does lean into that quite a lot more the stuff about Falcon and his sister and them losing the boat and you know potentially her business going under there is part of you that does kind of look at it and go how many billionaires does Falcon actually know that surely if you wanted to get a loan or you couldn't just ring up Pepper or have a word with Rhodey. I mean, Rhodey was right there. If you'd mentioned to Rhodey, oh yeah, I've got this family problem with money. Rhodey wouldn't just have picked up the phone to Pepper or, and and as we find out, I mean, Rhodey has control of all the Iron Man suits. You know that because that seems to be what one of the other TV shows is going to be about. So whilst it's interesting, the fact that he can't get a bank loan seemed a bit weird to me because the reason that they were giving was oh well you've got no credit history because you haven't been here for five years but you know he does have a stack of government contracts and you're like that just doesn't quite ring true to me but you know fine if that's how you're going to play it and the fact that he could just go to any of the few billionaires that he's involved Mm -hmm. with that surely he could have got money out of but yeah I mean apart from that I like Falcon as a character and I like what they did with this the sort of betrayal as well of the fact that he's not ready to or doesn't like the idea of him being Captain America the shield belongs to Steve and he hands it over to a museum and the US government government basically go and take it and hand it over to this new guy called John Walker who is a character from the comic books as well but Mm. that's going to be an interesting thing moving forward and the sort of betrayal from that I thought was quite interesting and also the, the Bucky kind of dealing with the PTSD and all the stuff that he did when he was under the control of the you know as the winter soldier and all that sort of stuff and find that all really quite interesting and i do wonder where they're kind of going to go with that moving forward it's going to be good to see the pair of them actually kind of working together i think i'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of this series it feels more like a sort of straight mcu spin-off this one than wonder vision did of being something completely out there it does feel like something that was supposed to follow straight on from the films really enjoyed it I thought it was uh, it was really good so I'm looking forward to the rest of it it's only like six episodes I think this. yeah it is very short it is interesting. real shame that they've not done a few more of it but uh, and then we've got a bit of a wait until Loki comes out so oh well <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it Disney Plus has got some good stuff on it at the moment you know particularly with the addition of Star it is well well worth going to get I would agree unfortunately I sort of fall into that oh well, I've seen all these 
before. Yeah, I've, I've seen <laughs> a lot are, of these them. Are great, these are great series that I've seen before. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm watching like Next on there, which I'm really enjoying. I'm watching Dollface on there, which I'm really you enjoying. You enjoy Next? Wow, yeah. that's quite impressive. That show's a mess. Well, I mean, I've only seen two episodes of it, so, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I'm enjoying what I've seen of it so far, and then I'm enjoying Dollface as well and Big Sky. There's some good stuff on there. Yeah, I should give Big Sky another try. I think yeah. I'll watch a couple of episodes. The opening episode really drew me in, particularly the way it ended. And then, Yep, hard not to, really. Yeah, and then uh, watching the rest of it. So uh, I am really enjoying that. It's good. And Solar Opposites as well, which is absolutely absolutely hilarious from the Rick and Morty guys and you can very much tell that uh, that's a wonderful animated series it's really fun so yeah there's some great stuff on Disney Plus if you want to go and get a subscription it is actually definitely worth it now I think so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some TV and film news when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. We start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Couple of cancellations. First one being Burden of Truth, which I think we're still waiting for the third season to land out here. the third or fourth? Yeah, third or the fourth, something like that. I can't remember, but uh, we are still waiting for, for it to mm-hmm. return. I think it's the third season we haven't actually had oh. over here yet. It's been cancelled after four seasons and uh, that sounds like it was actually a cancellation as well, not a sort of we're ending it. I don't know whether you're up to date on Burden of Truth because I know you get more of the Canadian shows than I do so yeah I've seen two seasons yeah uh, so I've just started the third season and it's a great show it is um, I it really enjoy it it does a lot of talk about it does a lot of things in looking at institutional racism it talks a lot about how native people are treated by police and state in Canada which is not something that I've seen elsewhere so yeah it is a, it is a shame it's coming to an end it's what, probably one of my go-to recommendations of like the current Canadian shows that corona yeah uh, pretty good unfortunately Frankie Drake got cancelled a little while ago. Mm. Um, I guess this just means that, you know, hopefully there'll be some new incoming shows soon. Yeah, I mean, Burden of Truth, out of all the shows that were on Universal when Sky took over Universal and then canned mm-hmm. the channel, Burden of Truth is the one show that hasn't shown up yet. And uh, it was the one show on that channel that I did actually watch, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> I hope that now they know it's only four seasons, I do hope that they end up picking up the four seasons and they run the final two because we 
we only had two seasons over here so uh, yeah we'll see but uh, yeah that's canned after four seasons that has the other one which is coming to an end is Killing Eve which I think is about time although AMC who co-make the show have said they are developing potential spin-off ideas which I'm not impressed by AMC I mean, seems to be a new specialist at milk insured well past well past their sell by days yeah They're really I mean, it's not like they're going to let Walking Dead go anytime soon, is it, really? Oh, goodness, no. I mean, Walking Dead, the Rachel obviously coming to an end with the 11th season, but they've spun that out for as long as they possibly can, and then we've got a bunch of spin-offs coming from that. So, and, uh, and movies and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, and movies and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Killing Eve, which is made by BBC America, which is co-owned by BBC Studios and AMC. It is nothing to do with the license fee or the BBC. As such, it's made by BBC Studios, which is an entirely separate branch of the BBC that is a for-profit section of it so it actually reduces the license fee of anything AMC co-own BBC America so it's AMC that are the people behind Killing Eve they are looking at spin-off ideas but what they could be I have no idea but it, the main show will be coming to an end with a full season in terms of renewals Resident Alien has got picked up for a second season which I'm quite happy about it's, quite, it's Alan Tudyk and I love that guy and it's a really fun show so it's wonderfully fun and very silly and uh, I really enjoy that it's going out on Sky One over here. It's a sci-fi show in the US, but I'm glad they're bringing that back. James Nesbitt drama Bloodlands has been renewed for a second season. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. It's not quite up there with the straight Jeb Mercurio stuff. He was exec producer on it, but, you know, still a reasonably solid drama, I thought. A few interesting twists and turns in that, so uh, I quite enjoyed that. That's coming back for a second season. Sky have renewed. There's something about movies for a full season, so that show will be coming back. And over in America, Mr. Mayor, which is the NBC Ted Danson sitcom has been renewed for a second season. I'm surprised that's not landed on Sky Comedy yet. I expect it will do at some point, particularly now they've renewed it because it's Ted Danson, it's NBC and it's from the people behind 30 Rock. It's um, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock who were the two people behind 30 Rock. So I would expect that potentially to land at some point on Sky over here given that it's an NBC show, but at the moment no, nothing. So, But that's Mr. Mayor, so hopefully that turns up at some point. In terms of other little bits of news, American Horror Story now has a title. It's going to be called American Horror Story Double Feature. Although that that's sort of, for people that know Rocky Horror, that, that's kind of the first thing it brings to mind. Apparently it's nothing to do with that, but that sounds like it's going to be somewhat split into two halves, maybe if something, or I don't know. So if you're a fan of American Horror Story, that's what you've got to look forward to for the next show. That's Double Feature. Grownish has now got a UK air date that is coming to star on the 16th of April for seasons one and two which are being added on a, as a box set on the 16th of April then from the 30th of April season three is going to go on weekly as it goes out in the US I think Filthy Rich which was a cancelled Fox show starring Kim Cattrall that is coming on the 9th of April to star as well so that's a new thing for the UK coming on here but it's already pre-cancelled so that's only one season second season of Solar Opposites is starting on the 9th of April as well and there is a sitcom called Dad Stop Embarrassing Me which stars Jamie Foxx going back to his sitcom roots which is kind of interesting that is coming the 14th of April to Netflix that is and it's very very much your traditional kind of network sitcom by the looks of the trailer it's kind of weird seeing Jamie Foxx do that but I guess that's where he started and it's his show and he wanted to do it so why not you know (laughs) 
<laughs> if you were into that sort of thing, you like Jamie Foxx, you might be want to go check out. But that's called Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, and that's coming on the 14th of April. On to some bigger news stories and uh, back into the comic books. Naomi, which is a DC comic book they are piloting for the CW, has got its uh, lead character. It's a girl called Casey Walthall who has taken the lead as Naomi in it. I'm actually reading the comic book at the moment. It follows a teen girl's journey from a small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. When a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core, Naomi sets out to uncover its origins and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. That's the setup for it. Casey Walthall is taking the title role of Naomi, who is the adopted daughter of doting parents. She's effortlessly cool and a confident high school student, popular with all the kids in her military town. Naomi's unafraid to embrace her AP student comic book-loving nerdiness. The aforementioned supernatural event leads her to discover and tap into a previously unknown powers and pursue her hidden destiny. Walthall might not be particularly well-known to the UK audiences, but she has been acting since the age of nine. She was young Nala in The Lion King on Broadway. She was Lavender in the first national tour of Matilda. She had a reoccurring role on the Lifetime series Army Wives and uh, popped up in things like Person of Interest and Power as well. Any interest in this? I don't know whether you know the comic books at all. I don't know the comic books. I will check it out. I'll give it a fair shake. It's an interesting comic book. In the comic books, it actually the sort of supernatural event thing, which guess they're probably not going to use for this. Yeah, is um, it Superman versus um, someone? Yeah, it's basically there is this this event which in the comic book it's Superman fighting somebody and it kind of as these things tend to they're flying around the US and it happens to crash down in this little town and she's kind of this huge comic book nerd and she's she misses it and she's really annoyed that she's kind of missed this major major thing that's like the most exciting thing to ever happen in the town for ages but there are a number of other events that sort of happen around the same time and it's it sort of sets off the chain of things that she starts to looking into she's going to be playing Naomi who's the lead character they have cast a couple of other people Alexander Wraith is playing Dee who's the owner of the local tattoo parlour when the supernatural event hits Dee hints that he knows more than he's willing to tell he played Agent Anderson in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he was uh, Vasily Reznikov in Orange is the New Black Alecki in Hawaii Five-O and he's popped up in a couple of other things as well so uh, he might be a face you recognise uh, Cranston Johnson takes the role of Zumbado who is the mysterious owner of the local used cars lot having heard troubling rumours about his past Naomi actively tries to avoid him but a tense encounter leaves her both shaken and curious he's probably best known as Detective Hansen in Happen Leonard and he was uh, Frank Fletcher in Woo Assassins as well he also appeared in Pea Valley and uh, Filthy Rich which we mentioned a moment ago he's playing that character Camilla Morrow plays Lourdes who is a young woman with a sarcastic sense of humour who works in the vintage collectible shop she has unrequited crush on Naomi and shares her obsession with classic comics she's also happy to join Naomi's schemes she is a relatively newcomer she's pretty much straight out of drama school as well this will be her first major TV role the pilot comes from writer-director Ava DuVernay who wrote When They See Us and Selma and writer Jill Blankenship who worked on Arrow and the Last Ship. They're exec producing it. It isn't a Greg Belanti show. Oh. So although it is a DC show and it has an Arrowverse writer attached, it's not 
not Greg Belanti or any of that sort of stuff involved in it. That doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be some crossover of characters at some point, because it's quite possible there will be, but not actually a Belanti show. And it is only a pilot right now, so it may or may not go to series, but they seem to be pushing it quite hard. So uh, it's interesting. I mean, Naomi was a character that I think only actually the comic book came out in 2019, so she's a relatively new DC character. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting series and I I've, have read the first volume of the comic book, you know, the first collective volume. So that sort of hints at some multiverse stuff in there, but I, I'd be interested to see where the rest of that goes afterwards. That's called Naomi and uh, as I say, being piloted on the CW at the moment. So we'll have to see where that goes. Moving on, some Game of Thrones people finding new jobs. Lena Healy, who last seen getting buried in the rubble that was physically and metaphorically season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, she has now gone from fantasy to a new space show called Beacon 23, which is a sci-fi thriller picked up by Spectrum Originals and AMC Networks. It's from Zach Penn, who was one of the writers behind Ready Player One and uh, the Avengers movie. It's an intimate, suspenseful thriller that follows two people whose fates become entangled when they find themselves trapped together at the ends of the known universe. A tense battle of wills and folds at the edge of space. Hallen, a beacon keeper, begins to question whether Aster, played by Lena Healy, is a friend or a foe as her ability to disguise her agenda and motives could make her a formidable opponent. This sounds like a very good role for Lena Healy. I mean, somebody who seems to come across okay, but he's also incredibly shady. I think he's somebody she could play very, very well. She was, of course, Cersei in Game of Thrones. She's um, voicing characters in the uh, Kevin Smith version of Master of the Universe, which is coming onto Netflix fairly soon as well. She's been a whole bunch of other things, but of course, Game of Thrones is where most people will know her from. This has actually got picked up. I mean, God knows where it'll end up over here because it's AMC and it's whether they keep it for themselves or sell it to the highest bidder is difficult to know. But uh, sci-fi project could be quite intriguing, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Moving on to more casting news, we have The Witcher Season 2, which has added seven people to the cast, including a few names that you'll recognise. One of them being Graeme McTavish, who you will know from Outlander and uh, Men in Kilts, which people are screaming for somebody to actually broadcast that over here because it's shot in Scotland and nobody's picked it up, <laughs> which is the thing that he does with Sam Hewan. It's still got no UK broadcaster, which is a real shame. But um, he's joined the show. Liz Carr from Silent Witnesses in there. Simon Callow is in there as well. So uh, yeah, season two has got a huge, huge expansion of the cast. They've also released a little bit of background about what that's going to be about. So uh, convinced that Yennefer's life was lost in the Battle of Sodden, Geralt brings Princess Cirilla to the safest place she knows his childhood home of Karmaran. Whilst the continent kings, elves, humans and demons strive for supremacy outside its walls, he must protect the girl from something far more dangerous, the mysterious power she possesses inside. He's basically Geralt's taken Cirilla to do some training at uh, his hometown. So the seven people announced today as joining the show are Ajorna Ando, who is playing Neneki, is the character's name, and uh, Neneki was, according to the uh, the background, the Witcher background, uh, was a priestess and an indisputable head of the Temple of Melitel, I think that is. She's known Geralt since she was young and treated Dandelion with fond contempt and had met Yennefer on several occasions, so she's some sort of priestess, apparently. 
she might know from Bridgerton where she played Lady Danbury that's the uh, the main thing she's been in recently she was also in Silent Witness as a guest lead last year as well Cassie Clare is playing Philippa Ellehart who is advisor to King Visimir in the court of Redania she has appeared in things such as Delicious the new welcoming Netflix series The Irregulars she was in films such as Aladdin and Mamma Mia Here We Go Again she's also popping up in the Sandman series as well apparently which Netflix are doing Liz Carr is playing a character called Fen Liz Carr's best known for her role on Silent Witness where she played Clarissa she's popped up in a bunch of other things as well but I think everybody knows her from from that Fen is one half of a um, detective agency called Codringer and Fen apparently and uh, she is physically crippled but surprisingly able midget is what she's described as in the description here she will be playing that role her partner in that is Simon Callow who you will know from well a million different things but Four Weddings and a Funeral is probably the thing that he's most remembered for he's playing Codringer who's the other part of that detective company Graham McTavish who you will know from Outlander he's playing Dykstra who was the head of Redanian Intelligence of course as I mentioned you are going to know him from Outlander and Men in Kilts and The Hobbit and he was in Preacher and a whole bunch of other things as well then Kevin Doyle who's playing a character called Balin who appears to be an original character doesn't there's there's a character with a similar name in the books but doesn't seem to directly relate so not entirely sure about this but uh, he's probably best known for playing Joseph Mosley in Downton Abbey he's also been in Happy Valley as well and then we've got Chris Fulton who is playing Rince who is a mage who was instructed to find Ciri after she disappeared during the slaughter at Sinintra so uh, that sounds like he's probably going to be a bad guy I suspect Uh, he's on Bridgerton as Sir Philip Crane at the moment and was next seen in Extinction for Sky One and uh, it's been in a bunch of other things as well that's the seven new cast members that are joining of course we've got the returning cast of Henry Cavill and uh, Freya Allen and Angela Chalotra and Joey Beatty and all that lot as well so they're all coming back I love the first season of this I mean there there was a few issues with the kind of timey-wimeyness of it but um, overall I thought it was really good once you got the hang of it I haven't seen The Witch yet so I can't come in on this oh haven't you no why haven't you watched that yet it was great (laughs) I never paid it so it just didn't appeal to me as something I would particularly want to see yeah that is coming back for a second season it is now filming again we'll have to wait and see when that turns up because it was shut down for the pandemic and stuff but uh, it is now back filming so we'll see when that turns up lastly today we have some Batwoman casting news again there are going to be spoilers in here because this involves the second season which hasn't aired here yet although apparently E4 have started trailering the second season as coming soon although E4's definition of soon could be anything from two weeks to two months so you know we'll have to wait and see when it actually shows up there's some casting for the second season if you don't want to know 
again, spoilers, you'll need to jump past this bit. The opening episode of the second season starts with a plane crash. We know, obviously, that Kate Kane has disappeared. Uh, That's how they explain the disappearance of Ruby Rose, because obviously Ruby left the series. So uh, Kate Kane was believed to be on the plane when it crashed. However, no body was ever found, but the bat suit was found by uh, Ryan Wilder, who is the person that then takes up the mantle of the bat. The question has always been, well, what happened to Kate? And in the eighth episode, which went out last night in the USA, we got an answer to that. She was being held hostage by somebody after the crash, but due to the injuries she sustained, she's kind of all bandaged up and has gained a new face in the form of Wallace Day. They have recast the role of Kate Kane, which I thought was kind of interesting because I read an article like a couple of days ago that Ruby Rose was saying she's not averse to the idea of coming back at some point. Yeah, so, I saw those. Yeah, I saw those as well. This kind of, I they obviously hadn't told her that uh, this was going to happen. But why would they, to be honest? Well, no, to be fair, that that is true. But uh, she was obviously unaware that this was coming up. So uh, yeah, Wallace Day, who you will probably know from Krypton, she was in most recently. Uh, I've actually interviewed Wallace Day. She was lovely. And she's in Krypton. She was in the Royals. She was in Hollyoaks as well. That's where you'll know her from. I think she's a reasonable replacement, I would have said, given that they needed to sort of resolve what happened to Kate and not just have her disappear and they didn't want to kill her off. This doesn't mean that there were going to be two Batwomen running around. They have said very categorically that Ryan is staying with the cowl. She is Batwoman. Kate's return actually helps solidify the Ryan in that role, presumably because Kate then basically says, no, you keep it. I'm guessing he's probably the route they're going to go down because the accident has somewhat altered her outlook and her experience. So we'll see where they go with it. But um, yeah, thoughts? It's a lot to take in. I wonder how the greater fans of, you know, Twitter and stuff will react to this because I think in some ways, well, in my opinion, the last thing that Ryan would need would be to have someone playing Kate Kane rather than the series. Yeah, we're now at the halfway point of Batwoman and it's pretty much all been about finding Kate and a lot less about establishing Ryan. Mm. So I know I'd be hopefully they could turn that around. They have invested time into Ryan. They have invested episode into Ryan. But as long as you have that question of is Kate Kane alive or dead running on and on and on at the end of every episode, to me, it detracts. I don't think it's necessary. I think if you if you wanted to do this, then you should have killed her. Right, if okay. You wa- if you wanted to do Batwoman, you should have killed, you should have killed the old one. I don't know. I, my feeling of where they're probably going with it, because they, they have said that this will close that chapter of what happened to Kate. So it now means that they can bring this character back. I do wonder if they're going to end up going for an almost Batman Beyond setup where Kate ends up being the sort of Bruce Wayne kind of being on the periphery or whether mm-hmm. she's just going to come in for a little bit and then go out again. I think the thing's going to be the latter. Yeah, and, and maybe it will be a case of she goes, no, I don't want to be Batwoman anymore. I'm done with that. And sort of solidifies Ryan properly as Batwoman and isn't going to suddenly come back, you know, makes it very clear she's not going to come back 
back and take the cowl. I think problems that you're having with the first half of the season by the sounds of it is the fact that it has all evolved around what about Kate and this should bring that to an end. They have said, also said they're introducing a new villain for the second half, which I am quite interested in because they're saying... Is they're it bring- a new new villain or like our DC character? It's a DC character. They're bringing in Black Mask. Oh. There are some great comic book versions of Black Mask where he's basically just wonderfully intelligent, sarcastic, but surrounded by idiots. Uh, there are some great runs of Black Mask and it depends what version they go for. If they're going to go for the sort of Joker-esque deranged version, I'm not as quite up for that because I think they've done that already. I kind of like Black Mask. I would be interested to see what they do with that character on this, how they're actually going for the portrayal of it. But uh, that, that seems to be going to be the big bad for the second half of the season. So, you know, it's a familiar, lesser but well-known villain. I mean, they used him in Birds of Prey, didn't they, as well? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I think I think that I, mean, he, he, I remember he's always he's always good for the um, animated series runs. Yeah. You know, it's popped up in the, in the later ones of those. I'm sort of interested to see what they do with that. I think that could be quite good. But yes, season two should be coming fairly soon, depending, like I say, on what E4's definition of soon is. But I would guess it's somewhere in the next month or so. But we'll have to wait and see when they actually announce something. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week. We have Dota Dragon's Blood, which is a animated series based on the incredibly popular video game franchise. That's coming on the 25th of March to Netflix. Also on Netflix on the 26th of March, we have The Irregulars, which is this weird, twisty, supernatural kind of take on the Sherlock Holmes story. That's coming on the 26th of March. That looks like it could be kind of interesting, although it does look a bit teen drama-y for my liking. Mighty Ducks Game Changers. That starts on the 26th of March. That's a TV series based on the movie. That looks like it could be quite good fun. Invincible, as we were talking about earlier, that starts on the 26th of March. That's the animated series based on the Robert Kirkman novel, voiced mainly by the cast of The Walking Dead. That's coming on the 26th of March. Hausen, which is a German series made by Sky Germany and Sky Studios. It's a haunted house drama. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 26th of March at 9pm. Magnum PI, if you're wondering where that had got to, that caught up to the US, so it's been off for a few weeks. But uh, that is back on the 28th of March at 9pm for the second half of the third season. And Younger, season six, that lands on Sky Comedy on the 29th of March at 11pm. That's all the stuff that is coming this week. If people want to find more about you, where can they find you? You can find me mostly posting at hollywoodnorthnews.net, which is my site dedicated to all things Canadian TV and film. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is Armasikinish, which is A-L-M-A-S-Y-K-I-N-N-E-A-S, where you can talk to me about all things I know, Arrowverse, or if you use any sort of Korean. Oh, you talk to me about Korean TV. <laughs> Yes. I, can, I can send you in the right. I can send you in the right direction for some some interesting K dramas. Definitely go and do that. For other people, of course, you can go and find Bex over on Twitch.tv 
forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. Streaming daily and also various evenings over there. If you uh, want to spend a bit of time just watching somebody make an idiot of themselves, Bex is usually quite good for that. Matt, you can find over at entertainmenttalk.org for lots more podcasts. And we are doing the weekly Walking Dead podcast at the moment over on there. So uh, go and check that out. That comes out on Wednesdays. And for us, of course, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast.geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.